0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, December 11th, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Good morning. It's good to, to see everybody and even folks from far away, California, and coming our way with the Pollocks, and I know they're excited to have folks here, and, but it's good to be together this morning. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11, I'm going to read the first three verses, and then we will pray and get started. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning with these words about faith and your word, powerful word that, is, that you have given to us and here we come today as your people, as the church, as people who have faith um, and we pray that you would give us great grace to understand these words and to put them into practice, we pray that Jesus would increase, that we would decrease. Father, in spite of us, in spite of me, I pray that you would work greatly um, through the preaching and the teaching of your word. I pray that Christians here would understand and be encouraged, be convicted, whatever we need, Father, from your word, as it is powerful, a two-edged sword. Um, and so, Father, I pray also for non-Christians who would hear today and uh, hear these words. I pray that they would also believe them and look unto them as Christians do by faith and look unto Christ and turn to him today and be saved Father we give you this time thank you for your word in Jesus name we ask Amen the title of the sermon is the same title as last week and so this is the second part of, from starting from last week and the title is this the effects of faith in the soul of the Christian. And so again, I don't know if these words right here in verses 1 to 3 completely define faith. I don't think they do. But there is plenty here and the implications we can get really close to defining faith. And so just let me just bring us back from where we were. Because last week was just point number one. Today we'll do the other three. And so it builds from last week. But last week we talked about the, the fact that faith is a substance. In other words, faith is a real possession in the soul of the one who looks forward to the promises of God. And not only knows they will come to pass, but also those promises and the things promised are already, by faith, said to be in our possession. That's why I think the King James uh, is a better translation that faith is a substance. I gave the example of bacon being cooked back in my bedroom and when I was a kid and the bacon's being cooked out in the kitchen and there in my bed, I wake up and I smell the bacon and I'm like, oh, I can taste it. It's there, it's being cooked for me. Although it's yet just a, in the future, in my little heart, my little soul, but it's there and it's in my house and it's in my possession. And then and that's not the best illustration, but in the same kind of way, we look forward. Faith knows it's forward, but yet at the same point, It brings things into our possession. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later. A.W. Pink says this, Faith is the confident or the, the confident expectation which faith inspires, gives the objects of the Christian's hope a present and actual being in his heart. And those of you who have faith know exactly what I'm talking about. So in this kind of way, faith is a substance from last week and a real present reality in our souls today. So today I have three more effects. Here they are. First one, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Two, faith brings or elicits the pleasure of God. So in other words, God is pleased with your faith. Three, faith is understanding. So to have faith is to understand, and I I think these are really clear from the text. So let's begin. First one, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Look at the second part of verse 1. It says this, faith is the, in the ESV, it is the conviction of things not seen. Now, as I noted last week, briefly, Faith gives assurance to us and confidence. Those who have faith, we have confidence that God will do what he says, and it brings comfort and confidence and assurance to our lives. The one who has faith in God's promises, fulfilled in Christ, knows that God will do what he says. But there is so much more to faith than just assurance. The word we have in the ESV here is, again, conviction. Now, this is not talking about the conviction that the Christian gets by the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. This, 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 that, 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 that is also true, but that is not the word that is used here. The King James uses the word as evidence. So we have one that says conviction and one that says evidence. Well, I believe both are right. And so I put them together. And when we do that, I think we have an idea of someone being convinced by evidence that something will take place. In other words, one of the effects of faith in the soul is to bring assurance that the promises of God are coming. And and somehow or another, faith faith convicts us, brings evidence there. Now, my illustration would be this. Think about a courtroom. In order to establish justice, there must be evidence, right? Right? Each case tries to demonstrate their case by evidence. So if you're in the courtroom and you're on one side, you're bringing your evidence to the judge or, and then, in many cases, to the jury so that justice can be met, so that a good decision, a right decision. And at the end of the day, hopefully, in, a, in an ideal world, the judge is convinced. Why? Because of evidence. And so there is a just decision. A good example might be um, how I think the same word is used is John 8, 46. The religious leaders were speaking lies about Jesus and they were telling him, "You you have a demon. And here's what he says to them. Which one of you convicts, that's the same word in Hebrews, which one of you convicts me of sin? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, if you read that whole context of that passage, he's saying, look at the evidence of my works. What do you see? And you want to convict me of of sin? You've seen what I've done. I've demonstrated the truth. You know that I am the son of God. That is the same word, same word in 2 Timothy 3.16, for reproof. But in the same kind of way, this is what faith does in our hearts in those who look unto Christ. It knows God and his promises are true because God has proved himself. And the person of faith has confidence or assurance of the reality and the certainty of divine things. A.W. Pink says this concerning the substance of faith last week. Faith is the hand of the soul that lays hold of the contents of God's promises. And then he moves on to our, our truth here. As evidence, faith is the eye, the eye of the soul that looks out towards God's promises and represents them clearly and convincingly, demonstrably that God's word is true and that they are there. So let me pause for a moment and ask a question. By the way, excuse me, I've got a lot of questions today for us. But think about the non-believer. For the non-believer out there, if you I won't assume that everyone in here are Christians, but we know that's this to be true. That the person without faith, this doesn't make sense to them when if I were to say these very things. Why not? How can faith be the evidence of things that are not seen? In fact, all of us are taught that we know things. If you go to school, you've gone through school, you're taught, look at objective, what does science say? Look at objective truth. In other words, what can we see, what can we hear, what can we feel, and what can we touch, and, and we use our senses. And so if you think about science, we begin with some type of things that we observe, and we make a hypothesis that maybe that's true. Later on, as we discover, yeah, this is this hypothesis that is working, then it later on, then it becomes a theory. And then when the evidence more and more and more evidence becomes, then what happens? Then we get, a, we get a law. And so that's what we are taught. These are the things that we see. What about the things that we don't see? That's what scriptures are speaking of here, I believe. Like God himself, God is spirit. We do that in our catechism. Can you, can you see that? I cannot. What about all the properties of his nature, his omniscience, his presence everywhere, his omnipotence and how he works in his power or or his omnipresence? How can he be uh, in all places at all times? We think about other things. What about the person of Christ? History certainly proves that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. That's not what I'm talking about. But what about the person of Christ? 100% God? 100% man? Man? Two natures in one person. That is a mystery. That's a thing unseen. All of these things are unseen. You know what? I think the Bible teaches these things are what faith holds on to. These are the things that faith aids us in. It affects our soul to believe the things unseen. Let Let me give an application before moving on. Because we're going to get back to this at the the end. But why do you think Christians persevere in believing the things that are invisible, things that are unseen? It's because of faith. Created by God for this very purpose so that we might go on through this life all the way to heaven believing, holding on to, knowing they are true, the things unseen. No faith, I think we should know this, that no faith will carry us through the difficulties of life from the oppositions within and without unless it works in us in such a way and gives us evidence of the things unseen. We will not keep on going. I don't know how I'm keeping going today If if it were not concerning these things unseen, if it were not for faith. And this is why faith is called a conviction, evidence together. Peter O'Brien, one of my commentators, says this. Faith demonstrates the existence of reality that cannot be perceived through objective sense and perception. And so, when we think about, you know, Christians persevering through the difficulties in, uh, in this life, this is what faith does. It keeps us going there to the promises of God. Now... Think about Abraham in the next chapter. He left his home, his country, his culture, his family. Why did he do that? Because he was convinced by faith that those things were true. Think about Noah. Why did he build the ark after receiving God's warnings of the things unseen? Why did he do that? What about Moses? Why would he leave the riches of Egypt to be a part of the nation of slaves? Why would Israel walk around Jericho how many times? I don't know. I haven't done the math. Seven, seven on one day, so many times. Why would they do such a thing if they didn't believe that God had promised to give them the land and then even further to save them? Why does anyone today step out and leave their own country and go to another country and leave their own land to share the gospel? Why are, why are Christians persecuted throughout the history of the church and even martyred. Why do they do that and stand strong even at the end when they are burning at a stake? It's because of faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. They believe in the things unseen. and It is because faith is, as we saw last week, it is their possession. And by faith they are convinced of God's promises. In the same way, so do we continue in this life without faith, we will not. So that's truth number one. Truth number two, faith elicits the pleasure of God. Look at verse two. For by it, that is faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Well, first, who are the people of old that he's talking about here? and, And it should be obvious. I think, it, really, it's, he's looking back at the Old Testament saints, but in principle, it's every person that's ever lived. <clears throat> Thank you, Scott, to Evan, to me. Oh, no, that was, that was helpful. Thank you. And so <clears throat> he's speaking about every person that's ever lived by faith. And this is a principle I think they were teaching this morning. In this regard, faith is always the means to take God's people to heaven. Faith is, we can say from one perspective, faith is taking us there. But my point is found in the words here in this verse received their commendation. Now, King James translates, they gained a good report. So the literal translation here of this word, is a it's a passive word in other words it's not something they're doing It's something that's being done on behalf of them and it's from the word where we get the word martyr it's the word witness and it's literally they were witnessed of (laughs) the word is used seven times in the book of hebrews in every case there is a reference to the biblical record the word of God in other words God records their faith For everyone to know, we're reading about all these people now, aren't we? There is a God is saying, look at these people, look at their faith. I've written them down, and I am pleased with them, but they're written for you. And so at the end of the day, though, he approves of their faith. He is pleased with their faith. He's pleased with the works that come from their faith. Look at chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended, as, there's our word, as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. So God's, giving, God's pleased with him, and he's given him a good record because of his faith. By faith, Enoch, he was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, so he's saying before in his life, before he was taken up, he was commended, same word, as having pleased God. So, <clears throat> parents, if your kids have studied hard for an exam, or they've worked hard over a period of time, learning to play an instrument, anybody ever learned to play an instrument? <clears throat> I remember when I was a kid, I thought, uh, I'd rather play sports, and so I'm not going to mess with the instruments. I really wish I'd have played the instrument. Um, and done both but that's all right God God works sovereignly in my life but many kids have learned great skills and what do you say to them at the end of the day as parents when you've seen them put great efforts in for a long time and they sacrifice things you say great job son or daughter, really look at what you've done in that sport or playing that instrument or, or memorizing that for school or whatever you've done. And you say as a parent, I approve of your hard work. And so you find, and then at the same point, parents, not just that, you're, you're pleased, right? You're happy. You're pleased with the way they've acted. If they're obedient in some way over a period of time and you know it's hard for them to be obedient <clears throat> in a sacrificial way, you're pleased with them. Well, in the same kind of way, God looks at our faith and He sees the, the good works that flow from our faith and He is pleased. He gives us a good report. I think of the master in Jesus' parable who says to his faithful servant at the end of the day, Well done, good and faithful servant. This servant is commended by the master. Abel, we think back through chapter, or going forward to chapter 11, Abel was obedient to God, and he offered an acceptable sacrifice. God was pleased. Enoch walked with God. God was pleased. Literally, against all odds, this man Noah built a boat and preached the the gospel, the righteousness of God, and God was what? He was pleased. Abraham left everything in obedience, God was pleased. On and on we can go. Sarah, Moses, all of these things, all of these people, God was pleased. He commended them. He gave them a good record. So let's stop for a moment, okay? I think we get that point. God is pleased with faith, and then what comes out of faith. But let's stop for a moment. Let me give a question. <clears throat> How can God be pleased in the faith of a sinful person. You ever thought about that? Because we know, Romans 3.23, for all what? have Sinned, all, have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All the men and women of Hebrews 11 were, 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 were sinners. They're, they're called righteous as well, but they are sinners. And so are we today. How, much, how many times have we sinned? in our hearts or in our actions this morning this week this month this year and we all know that to be true we don't have we have plenty of evidence for that so how can god be pleased with their faith our faith if we are sinners well i'm gonna gonna give you a kind of a long answer okay but let's think about this for a few minutes Faith is connected to God's promise, okay? It is like my, my bacon illustration last week and this week. Somehow or another, it's connected there. I know I'm going to eat it. It's, it's, it's actually, um, it's, again, it's, that's not the best illustration, but it's there and it's in my possession. Though I haven't experienced it all yet. Another illustration I used last week of faith was we put, when you you make cookies, you put the the eggs and the milk and the sugar together and the, the oil and you come out with cookies. Well, somehow or another, faith is mixed in that mixing bowl with the promises. And you can't separate them out. You see, faith does not result in salvation if it is not connected in some way to God's promise. For this is the purpose of faith. And I'm getting this from Hebrews 1, I mean Hebrews 11, these first three verses. This is the context of this. Faith is connected to the promises. Faith is actually and really, really united to God's promise to save. So, let's go back for a minute. Do you remember the very first promise that we have of God to save a sinner in the Bible? I use this often in my preaching. I think you should know, Genesis 3, what verse? Can anybody holler it out? 15, 15. That's the first place we see this promise, this kind of promise, to save. Here's what it says. Well, it has to do with after Adam and Eve fell, and God comes to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent. 3.15 is God's judgment to the serpent. But they are there in their presence. They're hearing this promise. And so instead of, he said, remember he said, you shall surely die. Well, God would have been perfectly just to have finished it there. And then they be separated from God forever. No more children, no more nothing. And, And they would have gotten exactly what they deserve. That would have been just. But this is something that, that one of those unseen things as well, the mercy of God. Basically, in his mercy, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Speaking of this one who will come from a woman one day, let me paraphrase, paraphrase this. And he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. So bruising the heel I believe is looking forward to the cross, the death of Christ. But he rise, he rose again. But the bruising of the head is something that it completely is done away with. God's judgment comes down upon because of the cross on Satan and and sin itself. But this is the very first principle, our very very first promise of salvation. And I believe that Abraham, Abraham and Noah, the patriarchs, Adam, Eve. What were they looking for from that promise on? Just think about the whole Bible that way. What were they looking forward to? If they knew that God's enmity, God's wrath, God's judgment, and that he was right, but he made a promise that one day he would make this better, what do you think they did? Day after day after day after day after, and they lived a lot longer than we do, okay, until the the years were shortened. What were they doing? They were holding on to that promise for all those years. All the people in the Old Testament were looking forward to that promise of being fulfilled very, very clearly. And so let me ask the question Where is the promise fulfilled for us? We talked about this last week, week, week. All of God's promises are yes in who? In Christ. Look with, well, you don't need to look. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna quote a verse. John 8 56. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. They're speaking about Abraham, and he's talking about, well, before Abraham was, I am, and they're like getting all upset with him. In 856, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. So we're looking at Abraham, who was dead, okay? He's gone. Still alive in heaven, but he's dead, okay? We're looking at, you know, thousands of years later, a couple thousand years later at least, and he's gone. But Jesus says of him, he rejoiced that he would see my day. And then it says here, he saw it. <laughs> he saw it and he was glad. That is faith. That's exactly what faith is. That's exactly what this, if you could, you could narrow it down to one thing, this is what faith is, seeing the day, the day of Christ. They didn't know exactly how it would take place. We know, we know exactly how it took place, but he was glad. This is the promise. So, I, I, so my question, back to my question, how can God be pleased in the faith of a sinful person? Well, We know the answer. God is pleased with faith because it holds on to the Son, the promised Messiah, the one who would have his heel bruised and the one who would crush or bruise the head of Satan. This speaks of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Love this verse. Should memorize, everyone should memorize this verse. For our sake, for our sake, he... Made him, so God made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what we call the gospel, the good news. This is what we believe today. Jesus died. He lived a sinless life up until that time. He laid down his life on the cross as a sacrifice. In fact, through, through chapter 10 of Hebrews, where have we been? That's all we've talked about every week, every week, every week. This is what the book of Hebrews is telling us very clearly. And then after he died, though, what did he do? He rose again. Death could not hold the sinless Son of God. And those who trust in God's promise, the Son, by faith. See, Abraham's looking forward. Their sins are forgiven. If you are a Christian today... Your sins are forgiven. You have been reconciled with God. You have peace with God. And so this is how God can be pleased in the faith of a sinful person. It is because Christ has become our righteousness. We give him our sin. He gives us his righteousness. There is the great exchange. And God is pleased with faith because it's connected to the perfect, holy Son of God. And our faith rests on what? On who? It rests on Christ. And so I'm not even talking about the doctrine of justification specifically here, but that's really what I'm talking about. That in Christ, our, our sins are forgiven and we are, as the judge would say, you're not guilty. Someone else paid your penalty. We are justified by faith. Although that this text doesn't say it specifically right here yet, but that's what we're talking about. And this faith is the substance. And you know what? The principle is still the same. Think about the Old Testament saints. Faith, same faith we have sitting here today. Exactly. Holding, It's working in us, holding on to God's promises, holding on to Christ. In the Old Testament, they were united to the promise to his Christ. And in this way, God is pleased with their faith. This is why we read about Abraham. Genesis 15, 6. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's why faith is a substance. The righteousness is already ours in our possession by faith. The righteousness that Abraham needed to be saved back in that day is already his. Counted to him as righteous. How? By faith. Look at verse 2. For by it, that is faith, the people of old receive their commendation. They look forward. What do we do? We look back. But all of us wait for the consummation of all things, and so we're still looking forward to that day. And through it all, though, faith beholds God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is the key. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. So here's a truth. Faith, and I'm, I'm gonna, I've got a truth here, and then I've got some applications before moving on to the third truth, a third point. Faith. Have you ever been asked, "Is faith a work?" Is faith a work? Well, here, here's an answer I would give. I would say faith in and of itself, in and of itself is not a work. But by faith, through the means of faith, we are, we are commended. It's not by physical birth. It's not by works. It is by faith that we are saved. There is nothing meritorious in faith itself that God would, would say that, that, you know what, I'm gonna save that person just on the basis of faith. That's why we have to have the cross because Jesus is the one who saves, but it's faith God created that would connect us to him. And that is the back to the things unseen, the things unseen. This is unseen. <laughs> what, what, what a beautiful truth. And, and I would just say that the, the things that follow from faith, If you are, you're in your home, you love God, you're leading your family in worship, um, husbands and fathers and and parents, you're you're raising your kids in in godliness, and you're trying to do good to your neighbor and and love your neighbors and love one of us here in, in the church, and you're fighting against sin and the things that are coming your way, and you know you've been disobedient, and all of these things you're saying, but I, and, and you're telling people about Jesus, whatever we could say about following the commands of God, and you're doing those things, those are the evidence of faith. God doesn't save you because you are doing such things. He saves you because of what His Son has done and how faith is given to you to hold on to Christ. And this is, this is very important. Well, let me give a few applications here. I would say that God is not pleased with just good works then. In other words, a lot of good old boys out there do a lot of better works than some Christians, right? A lot of worldly folks doing a lot of really good things. But what saves us? Is it the works? Or is it, I mean... In this context, faith. I feel feel like I'm I'm, I'm James today. (laughs) The book of James. God is pleased by works of faith. That is the important thing. Not just good works, but works of faith. Faith that looks to the promise. Because I can just say, if, if you are not looking to the promise, and you're not covered by the blood of Jesus, then the wrath of God is upon you. How can God be pleased with your good works, at least from that perspective. He's not. He's not pleased with you, he's not ticking off the box and saying good job, well and you know, faithful servant. Well, there are many people who do good works in this world but God is not pleased with them unless there is faith. And faith that is not in Christ is not saving faith. And God cannot be pleased unless the works Our works are covered by the blood of Christ. Now, again, that is how God can say, hey, I'm pleased with you because there's faith that produces works. Faith in his son. God no longer looks at our sin if we are in Christ. This is why Paul can say, go read the book of Ephesians. You as a Christian are already seated with him where? There's that language of possession already by faith. So if someone were to ask you, as a Christian, someone were to ask you, is God pleased with my faith or is God pleased with my works? Is that a trick question? Yes. But only works that come from faith that holds on to the Son. That's what we do as Christians. And so, very quickly, another application. Therefore, we must value a Christian, not for his intellect. Think about Solomon wisest man of all you think God is commending him today because his wisdom no he's commending him today for his faith same kind of way someone who has natural charms oh I'm sure that that great baseball player could just make a great spokesperson for the gospel yeah that may be true but God is not pleased with such things he's pleased with faith natural charms social positions Worldly success, God is pleased with faith that looks unto the Son. And you will always know a Christian by their fruits. Faith is, James would say, faith without works is what? It's dead. Final application here in point number two. God kept a record in Hebrews 11 of their faith for us today. That we might live godly, that we might be faithful, and that we might look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Brothers and sisters, we have the record of Scripture. If you go back and read all these people, what have they done? They've looked forward to the promise by faith. And we are to read those. They're for us to be encouraged that we might. What's the book of Hebrews telling us to do? What's the pastor telling these folks to do? Endure. Have assurance. Be patient as you wait for the promises of God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You can turn over there with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, same root word there, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, And then, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's move on to number 3. Finally, this morning, another effect of the soul of the believer that faith does is faith gives understanding to the things unseen. It doesn't just connect us. Um, It doesn't just help us and give us assurance and all these other things, not just the substance. It actually gives us understanding. Through faith, we understand the things unseen. Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So he gives an example here. It's creation. Creation out of nothing. Nothing. God created all things that we see and all things that we don't see out of nothing. And here in this text, our author says, Christians, we believe this because of faith. And again, creation is our example. We know a lot of other things. It doesn't take faith. Let me just say this, though. It doesn't take faith to look around at the world and say, oh, yeah, I believe there's trees outside. I believe the world is here. I see this. That's not faith but it does take faith to look at the world and know and think it came from somewhere or someone. That is a thing unseen. To believe that something comes from nothing goes against every class of logic and reason we've ever had. Abby, all of your reasoning here, it's from one perspective for sure. And then to believe that God is the creator of it all the one behind it all. He is the unmoved mover. Why do we believe this? According to this verse, by faith. I think of the kid who says to his dad or mom, if we were created by God, who created him? Parent, what parent has not heard this if you've engaged your kids through the years? I said it, my kids said it, we all get it. We understand this. Have you ever thought about this? Of course you have. This is the primary example of things invisible in this verse, God himself in his essence. And in truth number one, I've mentioned other things that are invisible as well, which faith gives understanding to like the Trinity, God, three in one, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, person of Christ, the promises, eternal promises, the soul of man, that's a, that's a mystery. It's invisible. So to have faith is to have understanding and then to believe them in spite of all of the things the world throws our way to convince us otherwise. This is why Christians are accused of often circular reasoning. Since they, the world would say there's no proof going back. Well, of course, I don't see how you get what we've got either from from nothing either so it just it doesn't make sense and let me just say very clearly this this text is not talking about these kinds of proofs here but this this text talking about faith I do believe there are proofs there is evidence if you want to talk about that there are miracles there is the unity of the word there is the power of creation there is a reason we believe that because we are moral creatures we could give lots of arguments for all of those things I'm not negating any of those things I'm just saying that here in this text It is faith that beholds, not reason, although faith changes all of that. So the implication for this truth is this. Faith is a supernatural gift from God. Otherwise, how would we have such understanding? How would you hold on to the things unseen? We spent a lot of time here last week. Let's just look at a couple passages. Look over with me at John 16, 4. If I'm losing you here, I'm coming to the end of the sermon. I am. Just a few more minutes. But turn to John 16, 4. This is going to help us understand that faith is a supernatural gift of God that gives understanding. Jesus says in this whole context, talking about one who is coming. Who is the one he's talking about coming in John 14, 15, 16, 17? The Holy Spirit. So he says in John 16, 14, he, that's a capital he, because he's a person. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So do you see faith already working? So faith says, give me that promise about, about the son. Give it to me. That's what I want. And he says, that's what the Holy Spirit is sent to do. Simply put, this means that the Holy Spirit will powerfully make God, Christ, his promise known to you. John the Baptist, great example. He's there, prophet of the Old Testament, transitioning to the Messiah. And there he is, baptizing all these people, all these people coming in repentance. He's baptizing them in the Jordan, and he sees this man walking up the banks. What would he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where did he get that? By faith. The Holy Spirit revealed all kinds of things to him about the Lord Jesus. John 3.27 says this. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Brothers and sisters, everything we have. It's not just talking about our possessions, physical possessions. It's everything, and that includes faith. As Christians, we say and we know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is God. If you are a Christian today, it's because God has powerfully worked in your life, and you say, by faith, Jesus is the Son of God. That's what I believe. And I know whom I, I believe, and I'm persuaded that He's to, to finish that one day. The world does not say this. We should understand this more clearly. But look with me here for the rest of our time, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is affirming this very principle, the power of God. I think it's it's all related to faith. Here's what he says in verse 1. We'll read verses 1 to 5. When I came to you, brothers, he's talking to the Corinthians, Did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, fear, much trembling. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. But notice this part. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in what? The power of God. Now, concerning the things unseen that faith beholds, look down at verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, it's talking about the things invisible, right? Nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And then in in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through whom? The Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. These are the invisible things. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends, comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See the delineation there between the Christian and the world? Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And the next word's there, why? The ESV says that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And here's a verse. we have heard this one often. This goes back to to everything I'm talking about now, the difference between the world and the the Christian. The natural person, that means that's the person without faith, the person without the Spirit. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This is why we understand, by faith. This is why we come today. This is why we worship. At the end of the day, faith is a supernatural gift of God. And by the Holy Spirit, through the means of faith, we are united to that promise, promise of God in sending the Son. And we are united really and actually to Him by the Spirit. Three very quick applications to end our sermon, to end our time today. First application, true faith, true faith. It's faith in Christ, in whom are all the promises of God. The Old Testament saints looked forward to Christ, and they were saved. We look back to Christ, we are saved. And all of us are saved through the person and work of Jesus Christ, as I've shared in this sermon. This, mean that, this means that anything that falls short of belief in Christ as the Son of God, as the one who died for my sins, is not faith. At least it's not biblical saving faith this means that all the ways that the world uses the term faith outside of Christ is worthless to save no one will receive the promises of God if they do not come through faith in Jesus Christ second application faith in Christ results in confidence how many of you as Christians are confident today after last week, I've been very confident in the promises of God in the Son. But faith in Christ results in confidence or assurance. So a good picture for us is, is foundation. This word actually here, um, the, <clears throat> the conviction of things not seen, is hypostasis. It literally means standing under. So if you, you could also translate this in some way as a foundation. It's like the house. Built on the rock and the the waves and the the storms come and the house that's built on the sand, which one will stand? Christian has faith. So, and our faith is in who? Christ. And where is he? In heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. And we are seated with him already in the heavenly places. Another example might be the high ground during battle. Who has the advantage? Who is confident that they will win because of the high ground? Same kind of way. Faith provides a firm standing for us as you go out into the world this week, into your lives, into your workplaces, into all the things that are coming our way as a church. Faith provides a standing for us as we wait for the promises of God. That's why even in Hebrews we can say that faith in Christ is like an anchor for the soul. That's what we're talking about today. The effects, faith in (coughs) in the soul of the Christian. So, final application. Brothers and sisters, therefore be patient. Endure hardships and persecutions and sicknesses and anxieties and depressions and all of the things that are coming our way. This is what Hebrews is talking about. Don't fall away. Hold on. Don't drift away. Don't fall short. Just continue looking unto Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words this morning about faith. I know there were a lot, but I pray that every one of us would be able to take one thing from this sermon and know that Jesus is Lord and that our faith is firmly, for Christians today, it is firmly placed in Christ, and it is in that way Christ is said to be, we are his and he is ours. Faith is a substance. It is the evidence and conviction of things not seen and father we know that you're not pleased with just us nor our works but if we have faith looking to your promise to save which is who is christ then you are pleased father we we know that today and we know that father by your grace working in us in great power through the holy spirit we have understanding that's why we understand things rightly that's why Christians make the, the best people of truth, and the best truth tellers and the best workers and the best politicians and the best whatever working job you give us in this life, we, we know what is true. And it's because of your great work in our hearts. By faith, we look unto your promise who is Christ. Help us this day, help us this week give us grace. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening, and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.